0: Welcome to Awaken Podcasts. I hope you enjoy the teaching. All right, so uh, I'm excited to introduce my friend Dan Lucas. Uh, Dan and I met uh, a while back when I was working in another church, and um, I was at the annual meeting for the Northwest Conference of our denomination this week. So all is well on the conference front, friends. I was your representative there, Um, so I was in Duluth um, playing and doing what you do at those and. I asked Dan to write a sermon this week instead of me, so if you would, please welcome my friend Dan Lucas. Yeah. I know, I got a cheering section, a couple of kids back there. Uh, speaking of the the uh, added bonus, the upside of coming to the second service, I may or may not have said a bad word on accident in the first service, so hopefully we're going to remedy that this time, I don't know, so... I don't normally do that, right? That's not like my thing, like walk in and whoops. But uh, uh, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Uh, my name is Dan. Uh, what I do is I'm a, a creative uh, director at a church in Woodbury. So I oversee a bunch of people. I got a team of folks, and together we, um, we plan worship services and uh, figure out how to communicate with our church. And it's a lot of fun. On top of overseeing those things, I get to preach. And, uh, and then I, this is my favorite thing I get to do, I get to help people uh, learn, figure out how to develop a habit of prayer in their life. That's, uh, that's probably my favorite thing that I get to do. Um, I got a picture uh, I want to show you. Uh, here's a picture of my family. This is my, uh, Santa Claus is not, that's not, uh, he's not part of the family. Um, this is my fantastic, wonderful, messy, blessed, blended family. You might recognize couple of them in there because Sean comes here and his girl Katie too so uh was that offensive Katie sorry if it was uh so anyways this is my fantastic family love them they keep me going keep us moving going really fast and then uh here's a picture of two other members of our family uh Mabel is Princess Leia and then Eno if you're a music nerd Brian Eno is the uh Lord Vader so and full disclosure all right Start off on the right foot here together. Let me just be honest. I bought the costumes. <laughs> I'm the one who went to the store and bought Star Wars costumes for my dogs because why not? <laughs> and I love Star Wars. So anyhow, uh, those, are, those are our... I can't even look at it. Those are our, our dogs. And then here's a picture of me and, uh, and this is my wife, Sinead. Uh, she's fantastic. She's passionate. She's fierce. She... Uh, you probably might know her. She's been here a couple times and invited some of you into the fantastic thing that is uh, Team World Vision. She's awesome. And when I say that, I actually literally mean awesome, like she fills me with awe. She just ran uh, 37 miles for her 37th birthday, because that's just the kind of stuff she does. Yeah. <laughs> She's not here, so I'll have to tell her you clap for her. Um, yeah, okay, so, but uh, side note, did you know that your pastor, Micah, is the fastest uh, Team Real Vision pastor in the Twin Cities? Yeah. Did you guys know that? Yeah. All right, yeah, you can clap again, real. you know, we'll just do a lot of clapping, <laughs> a lot of hooting and howling. Micah's the fastest. I, however, uh, am not merely just slower than Micah, I am actually the slowest, <laughs> uh, okay, actually the slowest. I uh, took me eight and a half hours to finish the Twin Cities Marathon. That's a long time. Uh, I was, yep, there you go. Uh, the tortoise won the race. The finish line was actually torn down when I got there. So. Good times, uh, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's fantastic. So you're in the presence of greatness today. Uh, great on the fast and then great on the, the slow end. Uh, yeah, good times. So I um, want to tell you a quick story about my wife. In uh, 2014, she found herself um, kind of at this crossroads with her life. She was working for a large church in the area. She loved the people she was working with. She believed in the mission of the local church, but God started doing some, like, stirring. There's this holy discontent, discomfort with what she was doing with her life started to develop. And so uh, through a series of just, the only way to explain it is God moments, we decided that it was her time she was going to resign from her job without knowing uh, what was next. So she, she did that, and... In that place of unknown, right, in that space of, I have no idea what you're doing, God. Uh, Let me read you a story of what happened in one of those days. She said, driving down 35W, I'm praying about what my life looks like for the next couple months. I'm asking for provision, guidance, care. A miracle would be good when suddenly my tire pops loudly I manage my way up to the corner of 35th, and I think to myself, was this an answer to my prayer? And if so, what the heck does it mean? So I call Dan and start trying to figure out how to fix my tire. That's when I notice Heather. She's beautiful, 31, pregnant, and homeless. As Dan takes care of her tire and grabs her a meal, Heather and I talk for a while and she tells me her story. Without a doubt, Heather needs help. And in an instant, my prayer changed. Not all those things I was asking for myself, I just wanted for her. And then I realize I received my answer from God. He says, don't worry about your life. Matthew 6 is playing in my heart. I just need to remember all of these things. In that moment, in a popped, lifeless tire, God resurrected how my wife saw her life. In that space, the resurrected Jesus opened her eyes and invited her to stop looking at herself and see others. Saying, don't worry about yourself. I have you. And this, her story, that story, it's just one of the many stories that's happening all around us. All around us, in this room, out in that world. It's just one of the many ways that God is bringing new life into this world. Because you're in a series called uh, Sequitur, where you're exploring the consequences and the implications of the resurrection of Easter, right? If resurrection happened, if Jesus was raised from the dead, then what? What does this possibly mean for us? And if we stop for just a moment and we think about that that question, if the resurrection, then what? We find a question that is at the very heart of what it means for us to follow Jesus because we're not just following him because he may gave good advice on how to do certain things. He did that, but that's not the thing that calls us the new life it's the resurrection it's the invitation into life so if jesus the crucified messiah has been raised from the dead if that is true then what does it mean what are the consequences it has to matter so so far you guys have talked about how the resurrection moves us to be missional people people that live on on a purpose Right? We live on purpose. We live with purpose. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, our lives have meaning. And then he talked about how because of the resurrection, we are generous people. We realize that this life, all the things we have, the stuff, first of all, it's not it. It's not what it's about. But more than that, it's ours to share and give. It's life to share and give and give to those people who are around us. Today, we're going to look at how the resurrection of Jesus, how it breathes new life into our work, into the work of our hands. Now, before we we dive in, into it, I want to, just a couple quick things. First of all, this is like, uh, we're going to skim the surface today, right? You, You mean 12 hours and... 40 conversations later and you can barely, you know, crack the surface of figuring this out. So what we're going to talk about is like level one. What's the first thing I can do to find resurrection life in my work? All right, it's just, we're going to have a real surface, but a a place to begin seeing that happen. And if you find yourself in a spot in your life where you're going, I need more of this conversation. Let me just recommend, there's a great book out called Garden City. Garden City. Uh, by a guy named John Mark Comer. And it, what it does is it talks about all this. It talks about vocation. It talks about calling. It talks about work. It talks about rest. It talks about who we are and what we're made to be. And it, it's, it's fantastic. So if you want more, uh, I would encourage you to, to check that book out. And the second thing is before we start talking about work, we got to get on the same page. What do we mean when we say the word work? Because it can mean a bunch of different things to a bunch of different people. As I was thinking about this this week, I, I realized one of the things that was embedded in me about work when I grew up was it wasn't work if I wasn't miserable. <laughs> right? Like, that's it, man. If you're, if you're not, like, living for the weekend, that can't possibly be work. So let's, let's make sure we got the same definition of work uh, with us. So when I say work today, here's what I mean. I mean your job. I actually mean the job, the thing that you get paid to do. But I also mean the thing that you don't get paid to do. Like, think about parenting. Parents, moms, dads, stepmoms, stepdads, grandparents, neighbors, right? Like, you don't get paid to be a parent. In fact, uh, they actually charge you to parent. And by they, I mean your children, right? So the employees charge you. Or it's, it, it's messed up. So it's what we get paid to do, and it's also what we just have to do. It's our responsibilities at home. It's our opportunities in our neighborhoods, It's the cup of coffee you make for your wife or your husband in the morning, every day. It's the way you engage and love your children and help them move forward in life, not just force them to comply. So when I say work, I mean any of the stuff that you find yourself doing, any of it. And as we follow the resurrected Jesus, as we follow him, life, there's life for us in that space. All right, so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go to Genesis 1, we're going to read Genesis 1, a piece of it together, and we're going to see uh, how God makes us. We're going to see what our identity is and see what that has to say to us about work. And then we're going to pull that idea a little bit uh, through the scriptures and make our way to Jesus to see what Jesus has to say about this. And then after we do that, we're going to land where uh, what I like to call my so what questions. Right? And these are questions that we ask ourselves so, th- so that at the end of our time here, we didn't just have a really nice conversation and just didn't you know, laugh at my really funny jokes or any of that stuff, but there's actually a so what. It matters. So, so what, does this, what, wh- what does this mean for my life? And then my, my favorite, though, is so what do I do? Like what's one actual practical thing that I can do to move this forward, to move this idea that my work can have the resurrected life. What can I do to move that forward? So I'd like to invite you to stand up uh, as we read God's word together this morning. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, living creature that moves on the ground. Amen. You can go ahead and sit. So the reading begins with the word then. Right, just picking up right there, this four-letter word then is packed full of a whole bunch of context for us. In, In the previous 26 verses the author of Genesis has sung us a story of how God made everything. Tells how how he made light and darkness, heaven and earth, day and night. How he made each creature, the sea, the land, all of that. How he made all of those things. And, And as the song goes on, after each thing he makes, there's a refrain that pops up. He makes it, and then he says... It is good. He creates, he makes, he works, and he says, it is good. So those first 26 verses paint us a picture of who God is. They tell us what he's like, what he does. And then we're told that he makes us in his image, in his likeness. Now, without getting super, like, you know, deep and theological and poetical with, like, what does it mean to be made in God's image? It's a great question. Great question. You can ponder it for days. But there's something on the surface that I think we miss all the time. The scripture painted a picture of what God was like. It crafted an image for us that God is someone who works, who creates, who makes. And the things he creates, he makes are good Right? They're good things, and they're things that he makes, and he calls good. He names them good. So implied in this story is that if we're made in God's image, in his likeness, the only image, the only likeness, the only thing we know about God up to this point in the story is he makes things that are good. So that's part of how we were made. That's part of our image. Then the song continues, and what's implied becomes explicit. God says that we are made to rule. Right now, think about that for just a second. Like that's a pretty cool thing to be told, right? Like I'm made to rule, not just like king, but like 1980s rule, right? Like Zuba's rule, hair metal rule, like rule. Yeah, that rules, right? God says I made you to rule over all of the good things that I created. The birds, the fish, the livestock, the wild animals. We're supposed to be fruitful and multiply. You know what that means. And we're supposed to do all these things in his likeness. Rule like God would rule. The task for us is simple. Work. Create, make, like God does, in his image, in his likeness. And if we move forward to chapter 2 of Genesis, at verse 15, we're told that God places man in the garden to work it and care for it. So work, in chapter 2, is like all the stuff he tells us to do in chapter 1. Work the garden, rule over the animals, the, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, do all that stuff. That's what, right, so what chapter one is saying, chapter two is saying again, and it's just turning it a little bit so that we catch it a little differently. We're told to work, but we're told to do one other thing. Work and care for it. Caring for it is the way God does things. It's the image in the likeness of God. You see how he creates and calls it good. You see that he doesn't just work and then, like, all right, I'm going on to the next thing, like whoo hoo, hoo He makes something and then he takes time to look at it and see it and know it and call it good. He has care for the things that he makes. And so he makes us in his image. He makes people in his image, in his likeness to work and to care. God shows us what our work is supposed to be like. That we're supposed to see what God is like, see him, and then join in what he's doing. But in the garden, as the story continues, Adam and Eve, they break from from this. They stop doing the stuff God has for them to do in the way God has for them to do it. And they start doing it their own way. Uh, later, later on in the story of scripture, we encounter Jesus in the garden. And he says, not my will, but yours be done. Right? That prayer, Adam and Eve, it's the opposite. They're saying, not your will, God. Not your way, not what you have for us, but what we want. What we have. So Adam and Eve break from this. They separate work, what they're supposed to do, from how they're supposed to do it, from caring. They stop bearing God's image, and they begin bearing their own. And they work, they they, they ruin, they ruin all the work of their hands. They taint it. And we do the same thing. Anytime we do work, stuff, anytime we parent any time we go to our job we have a meeting with a supervisor or a subordinate at any time we do anything without care we find ourselves living in the same awkward mispointed way that Adam and Eve do it and we experience death just like Adam and Eve do in those places What happens in our communities, our cities, our lives, our marriages, when we divorce work, the stuff we do, from care, how we do it? And this calling to work, to do stuff, and to care about it, sounds an awful lot like the, the Old Testament, the Torah, the laws that God has. Don't steal from each other. Don't just take things that aren't sure. That's not my way. Rest from your work. Sounds like that, that there's a way to go. There's a way to live and work. And there's work for us. And then it sounds like the words of the prophets who rail and scream against all of the work, all of the stuff that God's people are doing, but care Interest in the poor, the suffering, the marginalized is just ripped out of it. They're just working and they're working for themselves, not for God. And then it sounds an awful lot like Jesus' answer when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment, what's the greatest thing that, that, that I should follow? And Jesus replies, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments work, care, take care of all this stuff in the likeness of God. Love your neighbor, love the Lord. Do you see how it stacks, how it sounds the same, how it's a following of an idea? As we follow the resurrected Jesus, our work, all of the stuff we do, everything we do becomes reconnected with caring the way we should be doing it. It becomes reconnected. Let's use another four-letter word there instead of care. Love. When what we do, all of our work, is done in love, we find our work experiencing the resurrection life of Jesus. So what does this mean? What what could this mean for your life? It actually means that anything we find ourselves doing from sweeping our floors to washing dishes to when I make my wife that cup of coffee every morning and I'm using the hand grinder because I'm a total hipster, right? <laughs> Got to get the grind consistent, and the only way to do that is by hand. Uh, so as I'm doing that, I have a choice. In front of me, I can go, right? Like, when's she going to make me a cup of coffee? Right? I can work that way, or I can work going... I love her. I love coffee. I love that I get to do something for her, share something with her that I love. And I can decide, and it, you know, I mean, like it's like 50-50 for me in the morning, right? Like some mornings are better than others. Uh, a non-hand grinder would probably solve the problem, but um, you know. It means that all of the things we do, all of the things we do. dealing with spreadsheets at work, right? Serious, that can experience the resurrection. Yes, I don't know how it is. When you figure it out, let me know. But that can have God's love, right? We can do it there, making beer, making pickles, artisan whatever, you know, three-seated bikes, that stuff too, how we take care of our kids, how we love our parents, All that stuff, all of it, every single moment in our life. There's not a single solitary, you can't come up with a situation in your life, a work, part of the work in your life, the stuff you have to do that cannot be done with love, cannot be done with care. And that's where we start. We don't need to start by going and looking for a new job or looking for a new family, or looking for a new neighborhood, or looking for a new church, looking for a new coffee shop because they can't seem to make that latte right. We don't need to go looking for new. We need to start where we are and do the work with love, with care, in the image of God, in the likeness. Right? Do the stuff like he would do the stuff. So maybe you're like, all right, that sounds good. That sounds fine. I have no clue how I'm going to put this into practice. I got you. All right, I got a prescription for you. Uh, You're actually, I want you to do something three times and then call Micah. Uh, It's funny, your last service, I guess, when I did it. Um, Here it is, super simple. I want you to pray the Lord's Prayer three times every day. In the morning, at lunch and then maybe at dinner, or before bed, or whatever. And here's the thing, it's not a magic pill. It will The work the Lord's Prayer, saying that prayer, does in you. What it forms in you isn't a solution to the problem. What it does is it reminds you three times every day who you are, your identity, who you are, and what you were made for, what the story you're living in is. Our Father in heaven, holy, hallowed is your name, in the image, in the likeness of God, okay, right? Start there, and then it gets really good. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth, as it is in heaven. That line, that's it. That goes all the way back to what happened in Genesis. We're here to work and care, to see it be on earth, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, whatever we're working on, we're here to see that be like it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. We remember that we're dependent. But not only that, it's not give me my daily bread, it's give us. Try praying that prayer and ignoring the guy you drive by on the freeway freeway ramp every day. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us, not them. Forgive us, me too our deaths as we forgive our debtors. Lead us, not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. As you find yourself doing that three times every day, you'll begin to see resurrection pop into the work of your hands. You'll be thinking those words. You'll go, on earth as it is in heaven, as you're making whatever it is you're making, as you're doing whatever it is you're doing. I'm going to invite you. We're going to uh, have a moment of, of silence. We're going to be still. And we're going to let God speak to our hearts. Jesus, as we follow you, as we follow your ways, as we look to live and practice resurrection in our lives, specifically today, God, in our work, the work of our hands, the stuff that we find ourselves doing, would you breathe life into the dead places? Would you reveal what you're saying? Show us the work for our hands and give us hearts of care, hearts of love. Amen, Amen. it's good. good. I'd like to invite you uh, just to hold your hands out and just look at them. See them. These are the hands of Jesus in our world. Go. Working, caring, and loving. See what God is doing around you and join in to see it be on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Go in peace. find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you okay. next time.